When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to the Futures Focus Podcast brought to you by Prospects1500.com. I am Dave Gasper. Uh, not joined by Alex Sanchez this week. He is out on the golf course, hopefully not shanking drives into the rough, but who knows, that could very well be what's happening. Uh, very, very big episode this week as we're going to be having our big uh, MLB draft review episode with our draft expert, uh, Sean Carnahan. Joining us once again, we had him on for the preview episode. Now he's back for uh, the review. Sean, how's it going today, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me back on. And, uh, you know, I'm glad to see that Alex has his uh, priority straight, getting the uh, golf course in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's I'm sure he's shooting maybe like a 65 or something uh, on the front nine. Uh, it, it could be something like that. Uh, but yeah, got Got to have the priorities in order when it's a beautiful day like this, like I'm sure it is out there in California where he is. Um, got Got to take the opportunity to to go golfing. Uh, meanwhile, here we are sitting at our desks doing a podcast. Um, all right. So. 2021 MLB draft, 20 rounds, uh, the first 20-round draft uh, the draft has ever been. And it was a pretty interesting one, uh, to say the least, uh, especially starting there on day one um, in the first round. With the first pick, things really got interesting. Everyone was expecting a high school shortstop, but instead the Pittsburgh Pirates go with Henry Davis, the catcher out of the University of Louisville, uh, Sean, what were your thoughts on Henry Davis going number one overall? So I had kind of gotten some uh, some tips that they were not going to be going with the typical route. Uh, I was still kind of thinking they were going high school shortstop, just maybe one of the ones that were further down. Um, I think Henry Davis really isn't that far off. Um, you know, best player available. I had him ranked four. I saw him ranked as high as two by some outlets. Um, so I think that two to four range is kind of the right range as far as his ranking. Um he finally did sign uh, about a million and a half under, I believe it was. Um, that's going to allow them to go in there and, you know, sign their uh, second-round pick, Anthony Solomedo, at uh, 37. Uh, a guy they were considering at 37, Lonnie White Jr., fell to them at 64. And then uh, Bubba Chan at uh, 72. These are guys ranked 4, 25, 36, and 20 in my ranks. Um, all look like they're going to be signing. You know, it's in a draft that, like I said beforehand, didn't have that transcendent player, they end up getting four guys that are, you know, as I have them top 36 ranks, I've seen all, I've seen guys, all four of those guys ranked by some people in as high as 30. So um, it's one of those where you maybe not get the, the top player in the draft, but there wasn't a consensus top player in the draft. So they went for a catcher who's, you know, bat first, crazy arm. And, you know, I've expressed concerns about his ability to receive as a catcher, but um, you know, top tier talent, um, and really, they get three guys who are legitimate first-round type guys, and uh, um, we're in conversation for day one selections. Yeah, and it certainly seems like a, a really strong draft for the Pirates. I mean, that, that's a team that really just kind of needs talent all throughout their system, and to get really four guys who are considered uh, first-round potential players, uh, I, I think that's a really solid draft. And yeah, it started with a little bit of underslot there with Davis, um, but that's also a team that needs catching you know they don't really have any catching prospects in their system they don't really have a a strong crop of talent at the big league level catching I mean Jacob Stallings you know he's not he's not that great of a player so I mean it, it really kind of uh, fits for them um so that was that was how the draft started and then when it came to the second overall pick the Texas Rangers there were some thoughts like oh maybe they could go high school shortstop maybe a Jordan Lawler Marcelo Meyer still there maybe they could go with him 
but instead they go with the polished college pitcher in Jack Leiter. And, you know, it's uh, something where, I mean, they, they could use him and he could be at the big league level sooner rather than later, especially uh, over one of the high school shortstop for, for the Rangers. No question. I mean, it's Jack Leiter uh, was kind of as high, highly uh, thought of a pitcher in the draft. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm not a big fan of him landing to the Rangers just because their recent track record, especially with college arms, hasn't been great. Uh, we'll see if, you know, he's, his talent is better than, you know, can kick that or if maybe the the Rangers system and development system is uh, more, has been kind of turned around for that. Because, you know, we've seen plenty of guys come out with highly ring, go to the Rangers and just kind of fall flat on their face. So hoping that's not the case here too. Uh, I, I had heard a lot of J- uh, Jordan Lawler there as a possibility. But, you know, if you're going to go with a polished uh, arm out of the college, you, you can't really find one a whole lot better than uh, than Jack Leiter. So made a lot of sense there. Um, you know, one of the problems with going Jack Leiter there is that he's a he's a full slot kind of guy. So there, you kind of look further in their draft. They didn't really get a whole lot of value after that, simply because they didn't have the money to move around because they did get a first slot or you know if not over. Yeah, and that's you know a strategy that you have to take, and that's where some people are maybe thinking it's like, oh, maybe they're not going to go. Uh, with Jack Leiter heading into that second overall pick. Um, but they end up going with the best guy on the board. And and you can't really fault them for that. And you just kind of got to let the rest of the draft fall where it may. Um, so they so Jack Leiter goes at two. And then at three, you get another polished pitcher, or at least it seems like a polished pitcher, but a prep arm in Jackson Job. Now, every mock draft I had seen had pointed out the Tigers would love Marcelo Meyer if he fell to three and Marcelo Meyer was on the board at three and they end up going with Jackson Job, the, the high school righty. Um, you know, what, what's, uh, what, what do you think went into this decision there to go with Job over Meyer? Well, one, the recent drafts, they've gone a lot of, you know, college, a lot of surprises to go prep at that third pick. I had heard some, you know, Meyer Lawler talk, but really, now, most mock drafts had Meyer gone after, you know, pick one or pick two, so he wasn't really in a, a whole lot. But Job was a guy that's been, you know, rumored to Detroit through the entire process. So it's really not a surprise to see Job go to the Tigers here. Um, you know, maybe a surprise that they passed up on the, the Myers and the Lawlers. But uh, it's a guy that they really liked, that they had their eye on early on. Um, got him, you know, as polisher a high school. And then, I mean, for me, what they did is, also coming around at pick 32 in the competitive balance round, getting who I thought was the most polished college arm in Ty Madden. Um, you know, they could they absolutely killed it in the beginning there. They got the uh, arm they were really targeting uh, from the high school ranks, and then they come back and get the college arm that uh, can, you know, really be a quick mover there with uh, Ty Madden. Um, I like what the Tigers did, even Isaac Pacheco at 39, uh, another high school shortstop. So there's the high school shortstop you're talking about, although I think he's more of a third baseman. Uh, they announced him as a shortstop. It was lots that they were looking for, uh, even if it wasn't necessarily the order that uh, you kind of projected. Yeah, absolutely. And and they ended up with a really strong, well-rounded class, it looks like. Um, and then uh, you, go, you go to the fourth pick, and it's like, okay, we're three picks in. Uh, none of the high school shortstop have shortstops have been taken they're falling you know what's going on everything's kind of a surprise and then the slide finally falls boston you know the rumors were that boston really wanted jack Leiter. um they, they really wanted to get him he was trying to price himself down to them uh the rangers didn't fall for it and uh you know with their top target being off the board the red sox kind of lucked out and they were able to get arguably the top talent on the board in marcelo meyer who they thought would be gone but he falls to them at four yeah, I heard plenty of reports that the Red Sox were in on Jack Leiter, in on Henry Davis. They end up going 1-2. Uh, so they end up the guy that by most ranks was top of the draft. Uh, he was top of my board. The Red Sox really just basically sat there and throughout the entire draft, they just kind of had guys fall into him. Um, you know, you get Meyer, again, as close to consensus number one as you had this season. Um then you end up getting uh, Judd Fabian falling to them in the second round, a guy who has plenty of pop, had some problems with uh, making contact during the season. So, you know, 
if you would have talked about this before the, the season began, that the Red Sox got Jet Fabian, you'd say, yeah, they probably got him at pick four overall. They end up getting him down at uh, number 40 and uh, get you know potentially the top player in the draft at four. Uh, you know, even with, uh, you know, no other picks in the draft that be successful for the Red Sox. But then even you wait until day three and, you know, they end up signing a guy like uh, Nick, uh, excuse me, Nick uh, Cavadas out of Notre Dame, you know, at the top of uh, their first pick on. He's a guy that, you know, senior sign, going to come in there. And another guy who has some pop can play some first base. Um, overall, they just got value all across that draft. Yeah, I, I really like that Red Sox draft class. I mean, they added a lot of really good talents in there. And then, I mean, you kind of contrast that with the polar opposite with the Baltimore Orioles, who had the fifth pick. And I didn't really like their draft. I mean, they started off with Colton Kowser, who, I mean, yeah, it's a first-round talent. I don't know about a top-five overall uh, selection, especially given you know some of the guys that were on the board there with Jordan Lawler, uh, Kumar Rocker, uh, you know, guys like that that were there. Uh, they end up going with Colton Kowser uh, as a underslot sign, but then they didn't really go for any high upside high school players later on. They only drafted one high school player in in the draft. That, that was their eighth round catcher, Creed Willems, um, and, and they drafted a bunch of college seniors. Uh, what what were the Orioles doing there? Starting off with Colton Kowser. Well, I, I don't remember if I mentioned this on the, the previous uh, podcast that I was on. Some rumblings that there's going to be some teams who, after the COVID year, uh, with organizations not bringing in the, the gate that they typically did, um, some teams may not meet their uh, you know their allotment when it comes to the draft. I think this is the first uh, scenario of that. You know, people saw Colton Cowser. They're like, okay, the Orioles are getting ready to do what they did in 2020. They they go a college outfielder and then save money and go you know kick it out of the park with the rest of the picks later in the draft. Like you said, they only picked the one high schooler in the first top 10 rounds. It was the eighth or ninth, ninth pick overall. They went all college, you know, the guys like Connor Norby, quality college players, but not the, the big money guys. I have a feeling when we're all said and done, we see that the Orioles end up below their slotted allotment. One of those things where it's, they get the high, you know, the talent that they like, but without having to spend the big money on some of those uh, you know, big high school names. And it's one of those add some talent to a already pretty, you know, pretty stacked system without having to spend too much money. I think it's a bit of an ownership move uh, rather than a scout move, if you ask me. Yeah, it's really kind of unfortunate uh, to see, to really kind of see those kind of games being played uh, with, with an organization. You'd like to see, you know, just try to get the best talent that you can and, and have the best overall draft that you can. Um, and, you know, you wouldn't really like to see uh, that being played out, especially if you're an Orioles fan. But um, that, that's just kind of how it how it ends up going sometime. All right. So let, let's just kind well, of look said, at the. Just, oh, sorry, real quick, j- just so you know, on my ranks, I had Kowser as my ninth overall player. So it's not like they went to this, you know, deep down the list. They got a guy that was just, you know four spots back of where um, I had him ranked. So they didn't take this massive hit as far as talent goes. You know, people may look at it and just be sh- shocked at the name Colton Cowser when guys like Jordan Lawler were still available, Kumar Rocker. But again, they will probably come in under slot as far, at the end of the day. But it's not like they just they didn't go after talent either. Colton Cowser is an excellent uh, outfielder. You know, he's just not that big flashy name. Uh, so I, I don't think it was necessarily a terrible draft by them. I like Norby as well in the second round. It's just not uh, going to be the the one that has the big flash out of it. Right. Yeah, and that's something that. Um... It's just kind of, you know, an interesting way to, to handle the draft. Um, and it's, yeah, and it's not quite as egregious as, say, the Royals uh, at pick seven going Frank Mazzucato, uh, the, the high school lefty out of Connecticut. That was uh, pretty early for him. Um, but instead of going through, you know, every single first round pick, you know, one by one, let's just kind of take a look at the rest of the first round right now. Which picks um, from the rest of the way from six on through twenty nine? What were your favorite picks in that group and some of your least favorite picks? Yeah, so, you know, I, I a couple of guys who really kind of fell that uh, I had much higher are, you know, guys like Jordan Wicks falling to 21 to the Cubs. I think that's a great fit for him. Um, you know, I 
No, you you had a lot of interest in this one. The Brewers going south, Frelick in 15. Frelick really liked the guy. I think he's a, he's a really good ball player. I think that turns out to be a pretty good steal. Um, it was brought up like it's in the podcast, and I tweeted it out when uh, when it happened. You know, we'll see you know, if there's anybody who's whose draft selection adjusts my thinking on them uh, at the end of the day. When you look at the Indians picking Gavin Williams out of Eastern Carolina, uh, he's a guy, you know, goes to an Indians program, the organization that is really good when it comes to developing pitchers. If you watch the Super Regionals, he outpitched Kumar Rocker in that game. It ends up sliding down to the 23rd pick to the Indians, as good a fit as you're going to find. I think that's one that is going to end up being a surprise pick when we look back at it in a few years. No, and then I sorry. As far as you know, guys, that maybe uh, I thought were over overdrafted. Um, you know, the Dodgers going Maddox Bruns. He's a guy who is a big arm without much command. Uh, I made the joke, you know, that uh, when he, they drafted him, his name may be Maddox, but he's not going to be throwing any Maddoxes. He's not a guy that's a uh, efficient pitcher. He's just a, a big arm lefty that I really think is going to end up being a reliever, which at the end of the first round. Uh, not all that great. I wasn't fond of the Padres with uh, Jackson Merrill. I had him ranked 62. He ends up going uh, 27 to the Padres. Plenty of people were higher on him than me. I personally just wasn't big on him. So I think that the uh, the back end of the the uh, first round, there were a couple of uh, misses in my in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially when you get kind of down there, it's really just you know seeing who falls and and trying to make the the best of what's there. But yeah, I'm with you there on the, on those good picks. I mean, Gavin Williams to the Indians just it, it just seems like such a perfect fit um with, with that organization. And really the whole Indians draft class was, you know, a lot of, you know, similar guys, a lot of advanced college pitchers with similar type stuff, uh, similar metrics and uh analytics. Um so uh, a, a lot to look at there. Um all right, so when it comes to the uh, when it comes to like first year player drafts, when, when it comes to, you know, dynasty uh, fantasy teams, when everyone has their uh, first year player drafts, you know, next, uh, you know, February or March or, or whenever you have them scheduled, uh, who if, if you had the number one overall pick in your dynasty leagues first year player draft, who are you selecting number one overall? If I have the number one overall pick in a dynasty league, I'm looking to trade it. Frankly, mm. the, the you know we all know that the high school players are the ones that have the the longest route to the big leagues. They have the the biggest uh, swing and miss rate, so to speak, in in draft. And the big fantasy guys in this draft, to me, are going to be uh, those high school shortstops. Um, you know, yeah, Jack Leiter, Kumar Rocker, uh, to me, there's just not a standout fantasy guy in this draft. Um, you know, I, I had mentioned on the previous podcast that Frelick is a guy that I think is a better uh, player than he is a fantasy guy. Uh, but as far as, you know, the, the big gaudy numbers, I've long been a uh, critic when it comes to Kumar Rocker. I don't believe in that he's going to be uh, a quality starter in the big leagues. I think he's more of a reliever. But I can see him putting up the big strikeout numbers. Obviously, uh, uh, lighter going to the somewhat quickly can put up some big numbers. Um, you know, I haven't really studied the the ballpark, but if I'm not mistaken, that uh, new ballpark there in Texas is more of a hitter's park, so probably not the best fit there. Really, I think it's a lot of the high school shortstops are going to be the the bigger um, fantasy guys. However, you know they're going to take a while. That all being said, the guy that went number one overall, Henry Davis, is a catcher. With pop, if he can get to the big leagues with uh, any freak, any uh, you know, without waiting too too long on it, he's a guy that could be just because he's got. There are no questions about his bat. The real questions come in his uh, receiving ability. We'll see if and how long that delays his uh, progress towards the big leagues. But to me, I would probably say Henry Davis. If you've got to pick somebody, you know, that's the route to go. But uh, if I have an option, I'm trading out of it, especially with uh, what I think is going to be a uh, better top of the draft next season. Oh, very interesting. That's not what I was sort of expecting you to say. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I mean the the trades of uh, first year player draft selections, I mean that's um, something that you know a lot of people uh, deal with and, and kind of trying to move around there. Um, and and yeah, I mean if you could you know trade back to you know say maybe the the seventh pick or something, and whoever's up there wants to trade up to number one overall, I mean trade yourself back. I mean you still end up getting you know a pretty uh, solid player 
Um, but you can also pick up something else uh, in the meantime uh, while allowing the other team to, to move up to, to have the first overall selection. So uh, that's, that's a very uh, interesting strategy, one that I had not even thought of. And to me, it is a very deep college arm draft. There are a lot of really good college arms that went that you can get later on. Um, you know, maybe not the the massive fantasy numbers, but you, know, you got guys like Joe Rock to the to the Rockies out of Ohio. He's a guy who at one point was consideration of a first round pick. Um, you know, you had I was actually surprised to see the Angels go Sam Bachman as early as they did, but he's a, a quality arm. There, there's plenty of good arms um, that, that ended up going. Uh, you know, we'll see if Jaden Hill again with the Rockies. Plenty of stuff was in the you know top uh, few guys uh, before the season started. Had an abysmal season there at LSU. I think there's more uh, value late, a little bit later on in the draft than at the very top. So I think that's kind of a route to go. I, I really like the college, you know, a little bit later on in the draft. So yeah, if you can end up getting what if you're in contention, I say go ahead and. Uh, make some moves and get yourself uh, competitive now, because I think that's actual first year draft. Um, you look at next season, you know, guys like Elijah Green coming out of IMG Academy. There's some big names coming out in 2022. Uh, I've started working on my 2022 list already. So I think the next season is going to be the big one. I've got a lot of really big names. This season's more of just those guys that are, you know, middle of your roster rather than uh, big focus on your roster in the future. Yeah. And, and that's, um, it's very important to know, uh, very, very important to, when it comes to strategy and trying to build your roster, especially if you're rebuilding, um, if you're rebuilding your dynasty team, you know, perhaps this isn't, you know, the best draft to, to bank on to, to rebuild your roster. Um, so that's, uh, that, that's very interesting. All right. So I, w- I want to transition out a little bit to uh, the day two of the draft rounds two through 10. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the first round guys, um, but you know, there are some studs there that, that fell through on, on day two. Um, and, you know, who do you think are, are some guys that, that went on day two, you know, second, third, fourth, uh, whatever round guys that you think could end up being uh, studs in the somewhat near future? So to me, I thought I liked what the Diamondbacks ended up doing. Obviously, they waited and ended up getting uh, Jordan Lawler. But you talk about a, a scarcity position. You end up getting Adrian Del Castillo uh, from the University of Miami. He's a, a catcher who can really hit. I think he's a, a potential um, hit for them both on the field and in the fantasy world. Uh, when I talk about those, you know, College arms that slipped. Uh, they ended up getting Luke Albright out of Kent State. He's another guy that, that I was fond of. I, think I, I really like what Arizona did in day two. Um, you know, I mentioned Jet Fabian to the Red Sox. Uh, let's see who else. Um, I saw the Braves today signed uh, Spencer Schwellenbach. Uh, may actually let him do both ways. We'll have to wait and see if they allow that. So that, that's an interesting one. Uh, but, yeah, you know, i got to go back to it. You look at the Pirates. They end up grabbing Solomedo, Lonnie White Jr., and Bubba Chandler, the first three picks on day two. Three guys that could be uh, absolute studs for them in the future. Okay. Um, yeah, Pittsburgh had, had a really kind of strong draft there on day two. Uh, one team I kind of want to talk about as well is is the Angels, because they did go all those uh, college pitchers, start off with Sam Bachman, who, I mean, Bachman over Kumar Rocker, I thought was very uh, interesting. Um, I know you're not super high on Kumar Rocker, um, but I mean, Bachman's someone who can move up through the system relatively quickly. And then on day two, I mean, they start off with Kai Bush, another guy I was pretty high on, six foot six lefty out of St. Mary's, uh, just kind of continuing that trend going all college uh, pitchers. And I mean, this is a system that hasn't traditionally been good at developing pitchers. You can just look at their big league roster for the past several years. The Angels have not been good uh, at pitching. So with all these pitchers and a lot of these guys that, um, you know, people like Bachman, Bush um, and and several others, does this potentially hurt uh, these guys in in terms of value just because of the system that they're going to that hasn't traditionally uh, been been great at getting the most out of their pitchers? Is that somewhere we can look at guys like Bachman and Bush, uh, Landon Marceau and maybe being like, eh, maybe not as high on them as I was before? No. See, to me, it's a scenario where if I'm a fan of the Angels, I actually don't hate the draft. They got plenty of criticism with it, with what they did. I don't hate this draft if I'm a fan of the Angels, uh, the big league baseball team, because what they did is they added 20 arms. If two of them are hits, this is successful. Um, 
and and right now they are not getting one to hit each year. So that's what they need. They knew what they needed. They so it's really the numbers game. As far as the fantasy goes, and was kind of trying to pick out the who's it going to be. Good luck. You know who knows who's <laughs> going to come out of it. You just don't know. I mean, it could be Bachman. It could make sense. But who knows? I could see, you know, Marceau being the top guy. Heck, I could see Glenn Albanese out of Louisville, you know, who they got in, what, like, fifth or sixth round. I could see him end up – actually, I think they, they got him on th- day three. He could end up being the best pitcher in this draft for them. Who's it going to be? That's the big question. I have no idea. I don't dislike what they did, though. They knew where their weaknesses were, and what they did was they just threw – they they basically they're throwing at the wall and seeing what sticks. And I think they get like I said, if they get two legit future big league arms out of this, then they will be happy with this draft. Looking at it from the outside, looking in, it is not sexy. It's not one of those flashy drafts. But I think it might be one of their more productive drafts uh, in recent years. Yeah, Glenn Albanese Jr. out of Louisville, fifteenth round pick uh, when it came down to it. But yeah, I mean, like I'm like as a like for regular baseball. I love this draft for them because they've needed pitching for so long and they've needed to just invest in it. And it's pretty obvious that they are investing uh, in pitching. Um, And and yeah, some of these guys will hit. You would think, you know, that you got to hit on at least one or two out of 20 of them. Um, And it's looking like they're going to sign pretty much all of them. Cause I mean, all these guys for the most part are college guys, a lot of college seniors, especially on day three, uh, they got, you know, a high school guy, Mason Albright, in the 12th round. But other than that, it's all college juniors and seniors. Um, so, I mean, this is a, you know, that, that's a draft that they've really kind of needed. And, yeah, which one will end up being uh, the, the crown jewel of the class? Will it be Bachman? Will it be Kai Bush? Will it be Marceau? Will it be Luke Murphy? Uh, will it be, you know, Braden Oltoff? Will it be Chase Silseth? Um, it, it could be any number of guys. So, um, yeah, it's a draft that, you know, I really liked for them and it was something that they, that they desperately needed to, uh, to do. Yeah. It's not offs, but it was a quality, you know, real, you know, real baseball draft. Also, they've been as busy in the undrafted market as anybody. Um, I haven't even checked their list, uh, in the past few days, but going into this past weekend, they'd already signed 13 undrafted guys, which was significantly more than anybody else. Uh, you know, I think that the, overall they are adding, um, polished college players to their system which is something that that system desperately needs so uh again not flashy but i think it might be as productive a draft as they as they've had yeah absolutely uh i want to talk about you know maybe a little bit flashier of a draft now and and a pretty exciting one and i think that's the miami marlins draft uh started off with khalil watson who by some reports was still in contention for the number one overall pick as late as an hour before the draft began they get him at the 16th overall uh, then they follow that up with the high school catcher Joe Mack in competitive balance round A. Uh, and then they get you know a couple of other polished college players: Cody Morissette, uh, Tanner Allen, Brady Allen uh, out of South Carolina. Uh, they added some really good hitters um, at the top of this draft class. I loved what they did. Joe Colin Watson, the shortstop. Uh, it sounds like he's going to end up be moving out to the outfield, but. Um, yeah, I mean, you end up getting Joe Mack, the top high school catcher. Uh, I, I really liked Cody Morissette um, out of Boston College. You know, watched a lot of Boston College, watching Sal Frelick, and uh, Morissette really jumped out of the off the page there. Um, really, a, a really fun, interesting draft for Miami. Uh, you know, guys, he, he went 524-73 on, on my big board. Uh, you kind of go a little bit further down, a guy like a college producer, even going down to a guy like Evan, Ivan Melendez out of the University of Texas, a guy I liked. He, he can you know bring some pop to you, a, a really uh, productive college career. I really like uh, what Kim Ng, and I always butcher her name because, sorry, uh, but her first draft, I think she absolutely killed it. Yeah, it was a very, very exciting draft. And they, I mean, Watson and Mac are going to be – uh, pretty much overslot signs, it looks like. So, I mean, it was good to kind of save some money with some of the uh, college seniors there later on. Um, but, I mean, really a lot of upside in this draft and, uh, you know, really, I think, a pretty uh, exciting group overall uh, that they're able to to get in that organization. So, yeah, that, that's really exciting to see um, from their front. Um, so, 
we've talked about you know a bunch of these guys um, on, on day two there. Um, what about day three? Day three is always kind of a, an interesting way for it to go. I mean, especially when you start with the 11th round. Um, you know, there, there are some guys, you know, some high school guys that uh, end up going there. Some some big talents end up, you know, falling into that point. That that's right out of the uh, signing bonus pool. You see Nico Cavadas. You know, as we already talked about, he fell into the 11th round. Um, some good college performers. Some high school players as well. Uh, when, when it comes to, to day three, I mean, who are some guys that, that stand out there for you uh, that ended up getting selected? So, of course, day three is going gonna, is gonna to be the hardest. Uh, you know, as we stand here in the uh, mid to late July, we have until August 1st to see where all the signings are. You know, we're getting news of it coming out, but, but it's going to be really dependent on who signs. Um, a guy like Owen Sharp to the Pirates, he was a guy that a couple years ago was a real consideration for potential first-round draft pick. Ends up going round 13. If he signs, it's great. Braylon Bishop went to the Pirates in 14th round. I don't think he signs, but if he does, that's massive. Um, you know, you look at round 11, a guy like Tim uh, Tawa out of Stanford to the Diamondbacks, I think is a, a sneaky uh, value pick there. Um, if Rock Riggio signs out of, uh, with the Brewers, uh, he's a guy that was being talked about as a potential day one pick, uh, day two no-brainer. All of us Brewers save enough money to go ahead and sign him. I think that's a massive steal. So really, it's hard to really speak on day three as of this point. If you ask me in August, I can tell you better. It just, it's going to come down to who signs and who doesn't. There's some, there's some big names in there, uh, some guys that, that fell. Uh, but really it's going to come down to see who signs. But yeah, the, the Cavadas, I think, is the the big name as far as the college uh, guys, you know, just about guaranteed to sign. Um, but, you know, if you end up getting guys like, uh, we've talked about Glenn Albanese falling to the 15th round, that's a steal. But, you know, it's really going to come down to who actually signs. And at this point, it's really just too early to make a call on the, uh, third, the third day until we really know who's going to sign because, you know, you had uh, Gage Jump drafted in late in the draft. You had uh, you know, some of the top high school players drafted that we know they're not going to sign. So uh, it may be looking great on the draft uh, board. It's going to end up signing. So it, it really, day three is the toughest to, to, to figure out because days one and two, those guys for the most part, are going to sign. Day three, you have to kind of look back at uh, again after, in August to figure out, was it worth it? Did they get the guys you know, who signed, who didn't? So that's going to be the, the big question mark there. Yeah, and some of those guys, I mean, they, they've already kind of announced. I know the Brewers drafted Carter Holton, um, Vanderbilt commit, in the 19th round, and he already announced on Twitter the day before, it's like, yeah, I'm going to Vanderbilt. Um, so it's just kind of more of a, of a courtesy pick, but, uh, when you mentioned Rock Riggio there and, you know, obviously regular listeners of the podcast, know I'm a, you know, I'm the Brewers guy at prospects 1500. So that's, that's kind of my team. Um, but Riggio's guy that I, I really think that the Brewers are going to end up signing. I mean, this is a, this is a kid that they know pretty well. He's been on their area code games team, uh, the past couple of years, he's been on their scout league teams. He's been on, uh, he's been at workouts at, at, uh, American family field. Um, so Riggio is a guy that, I mean, this Brewers scouting department knows extremely well. And I don't think they would have taken him in the 11th round if they didn't feel confident they were going to be able to sign him. I mean, you, lo- you look at the Brewers draft um, and what they did in the first couple of rounds. I mean, they, they went all college guys on day one and two. First 10 rounds, all college players. Um, and they had a college senior uh, in Russell Smith go in the second round. And Smith is someone who probably wasn't a second round talent. Um, probably someone that likely would have more gone in the third or fourth round based on talent, but they drafted him a little bit up. I'm assuming uh, they, they have an underslot deal worked out with him uh, to save some money, but they got all these college guys here to start it off. Um, and and Riggio is a guy who, I mean, yeah, like, like you said, you know, possibly first, second, um, third round talent at the worst. And they're able to snag him in the 11th. Yeah, the Brewers uh, love Rich Scouts with them. Uh, but long been high on. My guess is he signs. Um, you know, it's uh, just a wait and see. As soon as that, you know, kind of is confirmed, then I think that makes it a from a very good draft to a great draft for the Brewers. Uh, you know, I know you and I talked quite a bit during the draft as, as the guys from the Brewers are coming down, you, 
You weren't loving the South Frelick pick. I told everybody before the draft he was my favorite outfielder in this draft. Love the Frelick pick. Save some money, uh, most likely. Uh, Tyler Black, quality selection, probably save some money. Alex Benelis, it's going to be really interesting to see how he uh, turns out. Um, there's been as wide a range as far as uh, scout opinions on him as anybody. Uh, but again, potentially saving some money. All those savings probably going to be rolled over to Riggio and uh, make this uh, draft turn out to be pretty darn good for uh, Milwaukee. And, you, you know, you look at that, again, the con- college contributors, a guy like Wes Clark out of South Carolina, Ethan Murray, a future you know utility guy uh, at the big league level potentially, they they – the Brewers uh, had a really good draft, and if they can go ahead and sign, and like I said, all expectations are that they will, they sign uh, Riggio. I think that just puts them over the top as from a, a really good draft to one of the better ones in the in the the whole draft uh, this year. Yeah, it was something that you know really as that draft went along, it's starting to feel you know a whole lot better. It's like, hey, this is this is a really good good looking group, and I mean, getting Alex Benellis, I mean. Not only a, a college producer, but I mean a hometown guy who who grew up in the area, grew up a Brewers fan. Uh, being able to get him, um, I mean that's someone that I'm I'm pretty sure is going to you know sign in. They could they could for sure sign him for you know under slot a, as well. I mean I think he'd just be you know more excited to um, you know just just go to his hometown team. Um, they ended up with some really good talent there, and yeah, the, a lot of those things can be rolled over to Riggio. But they drafted seven high schoolers uh, on day three. Uh, as, as I already mentioned, Carter Holton in the 19th round, uh, he's probably not going to end up signing. Uh, but they also drafted Will Rogers, a high upside high school catcher in the 17th round. Um, they also brought in uh, Kalen Nicasia, uh, signed or uh, drafted him out of a high school in Florida, switch hitting shortstop in the 16th. Uh, in the 14th round, Jay Savina, Spanish Springs High School, Nevada, uh, right-handed hitting outfielder. Uh, and then in the 13th round, um, they had Quinton Lowe. Uh, he was announced as a two-way player um, out of Chatfield High School in Colorado in your neck of the woods. Um, and, and prior to that, Caden Vire, lefty out of uh, Skyview High School in Washington. But I want to talk to you about Lowe for a bit because he's in your area. You you kind of know him a little bit more. Uh, Quentin Lowe, is, is he a future two-way guy or is he going to be leaning towards hitter or pitcher? No, my, my thought is... Uh... He's a pitcher to me. Uh, I, I didn't really have him as a position guy for me. Uh, I had him as the fifth best pitcher in Colorado, uh, 91-93, three-quarter slot. Best secondary is probably the 77-mile-an-hour slider. He's got some good shape. Uh, committed to Santa Clara. Um, yeah, and like I said, I have fifth amongst my arms here in, in Colorado. Uh, if he signs, I think it's going to be a slow-moving uh, high school guy, um, but I think there's some talent there. You know, I, I memory serves. I think he plays first base, but honestly, I had him as a pitcher only as far as draft worthy. Uh, so um, I didn't really pay too much attention to his uh, field. Watch that come back and bite me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, to me, he's a pitcher. Um, I, I think that you know, as a, as a lefty, he's got some good command. You know, like I said, sitting low 90s, if that slider comes through, um, you know, quality. I, I, I think he turns out to be – It's there's a long way for him, him to go, but uh, it could be a sneaky one in this draft. And, you know, a Santa Clara commit, I, I think there's a chance that they can sign him away. Yeah, there, there's going to be um... – Especially with going all those college guys early on, they should have some extra money. I mean, even if they end up signing Riggio for whatever it'll cost to sign him, uh, they could end up having some money left over to assign a couple of those other uh, high school guys. All right, so I, I kind of want to look at now your favorite overall classes. We know you like the Brewers class, um, the the Pirates uh, draft class. Um, who are, who are your uh, other favorite uh, draft classes? And maybe like favorite just kind of personal fits for some of these prospects. Um, in this entire draft. Yeah, to me, I think a lot of teams did really well. Uh, we mentioned the Marlins, the Brewers. Obviously, I've talked about the Pirates a ton. Um, I think what they did was was fantastic. Um, I think the Diamondbacks uh, 
sneaky good in this draft. They got some some quality guys later on. Uh, like I mentioned, Del Castillo, Ryan Bliss, Luke Albright. Uh, if they end up signing Drake Varnado at IMG Academy, uh, some quality players there. Uh, one of the kind of sneakier drafts to me. Well, no, when we talk about the Red Sox going Marcelo Meyer and Jeff Fabian, that was quality. Um, but to me, the, the underrated uh, draft class for for me probably gonna be a team like uh, oh heck, who did I have marked down for that? Um, the Athletics, you know, if they got the right uh, Max, they got Max Muncy, uh, same uh, birth date, just about a decade apart as the other Max Muncy. Um, you know, they end up getting. Uh, a guy like Drew Swift out of Arizona State to continue talking about the um, guys out of uh, college that produced uh, CJ Rodriguez. I, I didn't. They didn't get the big names uh, coming out, um, but I really liked what they ended up doing just overall. Uh, I think Giloff out of Virginia will be all right. Um, you know, even in, down into the undrafted ranks, they end up signing uh, Nick Bruiser out of Stanford. He's a guy, a, a first baseman, can play a couple positions on the infield with some pop. I think Oakland's kind of was sneaky good, even if they didn't have the uh, the big, big names. I think they might be one of the ones that uh, uh, deserve some attention that I hadn't already gotten to. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, very good and, uh, and interesting draft classes um, in, in this in this group, one I think um, also I think turned out really well uh, would would be the New York Mets. Um, I, I think they had a somewhat solid. I mean, Kumar Rocker kind of fell to them, um, and and they end up having to go uh, over slot for him. But I mean, that's I think a really good get for that organization. Um, you know, Calvin Ziegler, they went with kind of a, a high upside prep guy, probably a little bit earlier than than expected, but um, you know, then in the fourth round, I mean, they grabbed uh, one of the one of the most polished um, college hitters, in my opinion, J.T. Schwartz out of UCLA. I um, mean, just just a really great, you know, bat to ball, barrel things up uh, kind of hitter. Um, and, and I mean, you're getting Mike Vassell there in the eighth round. Who I mean, he was a highly touted guy coming out of high school. Hasn't really done as much at University of Virginia, um, but I mean, that's also I think a, a pretty pretty solid draft class for them. Absolutely. Also, you look at a guy like uh, Colby Kubitschek out of Texas, um, kind of got uh, lost behind uh, Ty Madden, a quality draft pick there. Uh, full disclosure, I am currently sitting in my car in a parking lot, so the quickness as far as exactly where they were selected. I don't remember where Kubitschek was selected, but I'm th- pretty sure, uh, regardless, I mean, he signs, that's, that's a great uh, pick for them. It was, it was the 18th round. If you can get a guy in the 18th round who can end up signing and could have, if somebody had picked him, in the top five rounds, I wouldn't have faulted him on it. It would have been high for me, but a guy I wouldn't have hated at that spot. Um, if they end up getting him signed, that's great for them. Uh, an underrated uh, guy that ends up falling to them. I thought that was pretty darn good as well. And you know, another one that uh, talking about New York, uh, the Yankees didn't have the, the big, uh, big names up at the top, but Trey Sweeney out of Eastern Illinois went high. I get that. But I ended up coming back in the Brock Selvage, Brendan Beck, uh, you know, Dominic Keegan. Um, I, I liked what the, the Yankees ended up doing. Um, again, not splashy, uh, but but some really quality ball players they ended up adding there as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and another draft that I was kind of looking at that I really like, especially at the top, uh, and even though it's it's unfortunate, um, at least for me personally, but the St. Louis Cardinals, I think, had a really strong top of the draft. I mean, Michael McGreevy with the 18th pick, uh, you know, polished kind of college guy. Uh, Joshua Baez, the, the high upside high school outfielder in the second round, they ended up signing him for, for over slots. Uh, and then Ryan Holgate, uh, one of the best power hitters in the country out of the University of Arizona to kind of uh, top off the, the top of that uh, Cardinals draft class. Yeah, uh, they also had another one of those college guys out here, Alec Willis. Uh, he's a, a tall, uh, tall pitcher um, out of uh, Regis Jesuit out here. So they had some some quality players. I think McGreevy is a really good fit for them. Um, to me, it, for me, they were just kind of you know uh, nothing kind of middle pack for the draft for, for me. But uh, I thought McGreevy was a good pick. I, he went a little bit high. Uh, but, you know, he wasn't going to get to them in their, as their second pick. They saved some money on that that allows them to get Baez. Um, so, you know, it, it's unlike a lot of other uh, 
sports, the, the baseball draft is not necessarily, uh, you know, who you got where, uh, but the class as a whole. And overall, I think it turned out to be a pretty solid draft class. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So I kind of want to get to now here, um, which like there, like there are some players that like you can tell, like as we've talked about with some of the pitchers, like, uh, you know, McGreevy and uh, Jordan Wicks and, and guys like that. It, it's, it's going into a system uh, that's real good. Gavin Williams, uh, especially going into a system that's really good at developing what those guys are good at or, or what their positions are. Um, and perhaps make those guys better than what we think they are right now or, or what we think that they could be. So uh, what players really kind of stand out to you as someone who had their, uh, you know, not only fantasy value, but real life value go up based on the organization that they ended up getting drafted to? Plain and simple. It's one name. We've already mentioned it. Gavin Williams, the Indians, like I said, he outpitched Kumar Rock in the Super Regionals. He had an excellent year for East Carolina. He's one of those guys. He ends up with the Indians and that, that organization, the way they develop pitchers. Um, there is not a better fit in this draft than Gavin Williams to the Indians in the first round, plain and simple for me. Yeah, and I mean, looking at their draft as a whole, I mean, we, we didn't really kind of talk about him as much as one of our favorite drafts, but I mean, they also, they, they went mostly pitchers. They drafted a couple of position guys. Um, but they went mostly college pitchers and a lot of, you know, big name guys as well. I mean, they followed up Gavin Williams with Doug Nikhazy out of Ole Miss on the second round. And then Tommy Mace out of Florida in the in competitive balance B. Uh, Ryan Webb out of Georgia. Uh, the senior had Tommy John this year in the fourth round. Tanner Bibby out of Cal State Fullerton. Jack Leftwich. Um, you know, they they ended up with a lot of, you know, pretty big name uh, pitchers, and I mean, even on day three, Trenton Denholm out of UC Irvine, Zach Petway out of UCLA, uh, they ended up with a, a lot of really uh, polished arms that really just kind of fit their fit their model, fit their system, and they really probably should develop well. It almost seems like you know any college pitcher that goes to the Indians, their value just immediately goes up when it comes to not only real life but also fantasy value. Yeah, if you're going just as far as uh, you know, the college baseball fan, the you know, how the household name draft, it's the it's the Indians. I mean, they got the guys, you know, Bibby and Denholm, you know, Fullerton and Irvine didn't have the seasons that you expected uh, of you know, recent past these last uh, two years. Obviously, last year with COVID was so short, but those are two guys who, you know, their freshman year. You could say this is, this is a future first round type of guy. They end up getting them, you know, as late as they did. It's just big names, Macy and, and Leftwich. Um, you know, if you want to go this route, you can call them the 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 poor man singer and co-ar uh, that the Royals did coming. <laughs> the two guys out of Florida, they're not nearly the, the the arms, but they had you know comparable success at the college level. Yeah, exactly. I mean, th- this group is really just kind of. You look at and yeah, as a college baseball fan, it's like, whoa, they got all of those guys. I mean, that's that's going to be a crazy rotation that you're building, um, especially with the crazy rotation that they've already built. Um, it, it's just kind of a, a really good system. And um, it's something that, um, you know, I'm really kind of uh, excited to see how they end up developing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's really just kind of a, a, a really kind of good spot to to look at. Um, and then for me, um, a couple other guys I think were um, probably pretty good fits. Um, I, I think Chase Petty to the Minnesota Twins was a very interesting uh, selection. I'm going, going with the high school righty, um, but he's someone who's got uh, a lot of talent and, and someone that could be uh, really good up there, I think. Good one. Um, could uh, a good fit there. Another one for me, you know, everybody points at the, the Frank Mazzucato to Kansas City at, what, seven. But that allowed them to take uh, Kurt Kudenreff, uh, again, butchering your name, my apologies, uh, the lefty, sorry, the righty out of uh, Kansas, who I think both of those guys, again, if they were late first round type of guys, nobody would uh, raise a fuss about. They end up saving money getting that. Um, 
I think that maybe the, that the Kuderna, again, I am butchering that name and I apologize. Uh, I think he could end up being a really good fit in Kansas City. Um, so I think he might actually. I had Mozicato ranked a little bit ahead of him, but I think he might. Uh, if he ends up being the best uh, pitcher out of their draft, I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever. Yeah, and and also there on day two in the fifth round, they end up with Eric Sarantola, who was a guy who was expected to be a, a much higher selection out of uh, Mississippi State. Uh, but he had kind of a, a little bit of a rough season uh, and ended up falling down in the fifth round, but also a very talented pitcher and, and out of uh, college as well. And if you end up signing the guy like Luca Trash, which my guess is he goes back to school, but you end up signing him and he gets to work with Salvi in the, in the spring, uh, that's a guy who I, you know, I mentioned not liking um, – the, the catching receiving from Henry Davis, uh, Luca Tresh makes me want to throw things at the screen, watching him go one knee and th- letting things pass him left and right. But I think that if, you know, with some work with a really quality long-term catcher like uh, Salvador Perez there in Kansas City, if he ends up signing and going, I think that could be a good fit. Carter Jensen out of Missouri, another a high school catcher, uh, probably the second best high school catcher in the draft. I think there's a couple of, of guys that, their draft was one of those that people screamed at as a bad draft because uh, of the Mozicato first pick, but they could, you know, if they can get Jensen and Trash to, to sign, it could end up turning out pretty well for them. Uh, it, it'll take some time, but it could surprise some people there. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, the, for, for the Royals, they've really kind of had a pitching-heavy focus the past couple of years, um, especially in the in the early going on college arms. So seeing them go to uh, high school arms was, was pretty interesting. Uh, one last uh, class here I want to talk about a little bit, and I think I do this for for Alex, who you know again is is missing us by by hitting the the golf course today. Um, but I want to talk about the Padres draft class. And I mean, Jackson Merrill, you know, you kind of say, you know, weren't really uh, thrilled with that pick in the first round. But I mean, in their next few picks, they ended up getting uh, some pretty solid guys. They got James Wood in the second round, outfielder out of IMG Academy. Uh, and then they got a couple of college arms uh, in the picks following Robert Gasser uh, out of Houston, lefty pitcher. And then the Golden Spikes winner, and really just kind of a legend at the University of Arkansas, Kevin Copps, uh, the righty, goes to them in the third round. Jackson Wolf out of West Virginia in the fourth. Uh, what do you think about um, those uh, those guys there in the on day two to kick things off for the Padres and what they added to their system? Yeah, I mean, Copps as uh, productive uh, a college uh, reliever as you're going to find. Um, here's where you know, Gage Jump finally goes off the board late in that round was to San Diego. Of course, he's not going to be able to sign uh, most likely. I was so back and forth on the Padres because when I go back and I look at their draft, there's a lot of guys that I like. That, that, um, they had a lot of guys in my top 100 as far as my board, but I didn't feel like there was a great value with any of them, which was weird. So I, I, I don't know what to make of, of their draft because – you know, I wasn't big on the Jackson Merrill pick. I, I wasn't. Uh, James Wood is was a pretty good one. I think that that fell to them pretty well. Um, let's take a look here. They Gasser. Uh, you know, I had him ranked 84. They got him at 71. So that that's solid. I just cops. I think was too high. I think he's more of the college guy than he is the, the pro guy. But he's not. He's going to sign for under slot. So that's one of those big names that also saves money. Um, so I, I, the Padres might be the most difficult draft class for me to really wrap my head around because there's a lot of guys I really like that they took. I just didn't like where they took most of them. It, it's, it's, uh, just one of those that I, I'm having a hard time kind of grasping and, and making sense of as far as whether I like it or not. Yeah. It, it's something that, I mean, as always with the draft, it's going to take a few years before we find out who actually had, you know, the best draft class and and, and who didn't. Um, and, you know, not everyone can have the 2009 Angels draft. You know, like that, that draft was just insane. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll end up seeing a, co- a few years down the road, you know, when some of these guys either uh, make it to the big leagues and end up having good careers or some of them, you know, can flame out in A-ball or, or double A and, and you never really know. Uh, who those guys are going to be. But, I mean, yeah, they, they took a couple of high upside prepsters in the 18th and 20th rounds with Gage Jump and Chase Burns. Uh, those guys probably aren't going to end up signing. 
Um, but, you know, it's it's an interesting pick nonetheless, um, just to kind of get a conversation with them. Uh, any final thoughts, Sean, uh, on uh, this draft or, or any prospects that uh, we didn't talk about that, that you want to mention or, or get your thoughts out there on? You know, one of the storylines I wanted to pay attention to uh, in this draft was going to be the signing bonuses and kind of how that's treated with a 20-round draft rather than a 40-round draft and how that was going to be worked out. Um, to me, the Cubs signing of, oh gosh, who was it? Um, they signed a guy for $1,000 whose name is escaping me right now. Oh, yeah, it's their sixth-round pick, Ethan, Riley Martin, out of Quincy. Riley Martin. The guy for $1,000 with undrafted free agency being able to sign for up to $20,000. Um, I would like to see some of these college kids end up not signing if they're only offered $1,000. Kind of stick it to the, guy, the that team, uh, see if they can't sign on of undrafted. That was kind of an embarrassment to me. Um, you know, there was at least three other ones that were under $10,000. I'd love to see a uh, floor as far as a signing in the top 10 rounds of $10,000, just so it's not so blatantly obvious and, you know, borderline disrespectful there. I get you're trying to save some money for the for your um, pool. I, w- I would love to see a, team, a player uh, say no to that $1,000 offer and not sign and, you know, basically uh, screw that team out of that slot money just because – to me, that is disrespectful to the uh, the process. I would love to see their institute a floor thousand dollars. You know, a guy that's drafted in the top ten round, make him a, offer a minimum of ten thousand dollars, or you know, have these guys see what they can get on the undrafted market. Uh, with a twenty round draft, they're, they're going to be flooded into the undrafted market, both in affiliated and unaffiliated ball. I think that these guys can make more money outside as undrafted than the thousand dollars in the sixth round. Uh, to me, that was uh, egregious, and I would love, I would love to see something change uh, when it comes to that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm totally with you there. When I saw that, I was I was really uh, upset. I mean, that, that's just terrible for for the kid. I mean, you can yeah, you can get a max of, of twenty thousand as, as an undrafted free agent. I mean, he could totally just say no to that and go to someone else um, and, and sign for twenty thousand dollars and get twenty times as much money. Uh, and then the Cubs would lose a you know it's a two hundred sixty three thousand dollar slot value um, for that sixth round pick. So. I mean that's that's a lot of money the Cubs would end up losing out on um, as they try to sign their their high school picks, you know James Triantos and and Drew Gray in the second and third round. Um, that that'd be you know, really important for them, and, and it would really kind of force them to to up their offer if they try to walk away. So yeah, that that's really just just bad. Um, I'd really like to see some something better on that. I wouldn't mind seeing a, a hard slotting. Uh, system and just kind of allowing teams to trade picks, you know, like that'd be something I'd like to see in the future going forward. Um, but that's that's a CBA deal that they got to work out. And there's plenty of other CBA issues. Uh, the draft is not going to be their focus whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, plenty <laughs> of other stuff to yeah. to to work out to make sure that we do not have. Uh, a stoppage of play next year as the CBA expires after the season. So, but again, um, this does highlight again. Pay attention to those undrafted. Uh, I know uh, Baseball America and D1 Baseball both have really good uh, undrafted lists that they're tracking. There's some legitimate names uh, that are getting signed as undrafted free agents. I think that uh, this being the first year of this 20-round draft, uh, players probably weren't sure how that undrafted uh, market was going to look. It's more active than I think most people expected. Uh, It's something that's definitely worth keeping an eye on. Uh, There's some names definitely known names that are being drafted um you know a guy like Kenyon Yovan out of Oregon uh, who set their freshman home run record uh he both pitched and played the outfield he's a guy that signed with the Angels I did I think could stick around for a little bit I think these undrafted uh, market uh is is going to be something that f- players in future seasons are going to take note of and uh, could really adjust what happens there late in the uh you know rounds six through ten i really think that's something to to keep an eye on and keep in the back of the mind that that undrafted market really could uh, impact what happens there late on day two yeah for sure and that's something that uh, is going to be great to look forward to and and yeah baseball america d1 baseball they're they're keeping up great lists um of of all those undrafted uh free agents uh sean thanks so much man for for coming on this week on the futures focus podcast as uh 
we we as we recap course, this man, draft, man, a lot, lot of great insight man appreciate it all right so that'll do it for this week's episode of the futures focus podcast be sure to check out prospects 1500.com as we're releasing our mid-season top 50 uh, updates lists a couple of them are already up on the site um alex and i will have ours coming up relatively soon um there's gonna be a lot to look forward to there and uh, we got uh, draft content plenty of stuff uh, over at prospects1500.com that'll do it for us this week on futures focus we will see you next time